Hey y'all, this is Seppa, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 23. It's almost in bulk, and by the time you hear this, it would have been. We're gearing up to do all kinds of neat stuff. We're going to have honey and bread. We're still going to have pumpkin because it's still winter. And we're going to have a nice fire because, well, fire. Hope y'all are going to have a good one too. This particular holiday, I think, is under-celebrated. To me, it's all about those little seeds under the ground and in certain places under the snow that are starting to wake up. And that is hope. And I do love hope. But like a lot of people out there right now, I do realize that the world is in a, um, clusterfuck. Yeah, I'm still not willing to make this a political podcast, and I have my reasons. But I'm sure you know what I'm speaking to. And of course, we have our environment issues. And anyone that's paying attention is probably going through a little bit of depression. Or at least some sense of sadness and frustration. When I first started this podcast, I did not factor for winter. I know that I'm seasonal, and I damn straight know how hard it is for me to pull my head out of my ass in January. So instead of avoiding what I'm going through, I thought I would go ahead and speak to it. Now you might hear baby chicks in the background, and I also can't avoid them. (laughs) They're too little to go outside yet, and they're right by my feet. So against all reason, and against all of my natural impulses here in the dead of winter, I wanted to talk to y'all about hope. And I'm going to go off board here. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm not going to try to make an analogy work perfectly for this podcast. I'm just going to talk about hope. You know, sometimes we have to go a-looking for hope. We can't just wait for it to land on us, and we can expect someone to come give it to us. We have to go searching for it. I treat it like a treasure hunt. And as y'all well know, I'm a gardener and gardening has saved my life. Brought me back in touch with everything over and over has made the difference in whether or not I'm still here. And of course, I do believe that gardening, farming, growing your own food and your own herbs is one of the most rebellious acts that you can do. But that's fairly hard to pull off in the winter now, isn't it? So what do I do when I have no hope? And it happens to me all the time in the winter. I walk outside in search of it. If the weather will allow it, I will go stomping in the woods around my house and find everything that's decided to go ahead and bloom. I know they're confused. I know they don't know what they're doing, but they're blooming early. Have y'all noticed that? This year there are things that are blooming early. It's almost like the earth knows we need a little extra hope right now. And I'll go find those. 
and I'll just stay with them a while. I'll also go to each and every one of my little fruit trees and look to see where the little tiny buds are that mean promise. And I know that's going to be a flower, especially in those peach trees. And my azaleas. Y'all notice all the chickweed that's decided to go ahead and spring up everywhere. And I'll pull a bunch of that and tear it to bits and bring it all to my chickens. When the sun comes out, I'll run out there and just stand in it. I had this sweet cat that was my familiar who would come out there with me every morning for years and just turn his head to the sun and close his eyes like he was worshiping, just being present, just letting that sun hit all over his face. So I do that. Money is always an issue for me, especially trying to be a farmer. We barely make it most of the time. And sometimes we get so low in our bank account that I'm not sure we're going to make it. You know what I like to do when it gets like that? I like to go buy a ridiculously expensive little slab of cheese that we so cannot afford, especially here at Imbolc. Something crazy like, oh, I love it, a drunken goat. That's some good stuff right there. And maybe a little port. And it might mean that we eat peanut butter all week, but I sit down and I enjoy that and I let myself have hope. A little rebellious thing I've been doing for a long time is about this. It's February 30. I like to go paint my toes green, my toenails that is, because I do believe the green is coming back. Just to take care of something, have a little pleasure. And something that reminds me that all is not lost. And sometimes when things get this hard, and they are right now, I'll go on my little Spotify and I'll find the happiest song I can find. Now for me, that almost always ends up being Van Morrison. And it almost always ends up being that song, Sweet Thing. Just worshipy that song just pulls me in and out of it like an ocean slamming against the beach and rises back up like a bird soaring in the air and I'll play that to myself over and over and over and I will focus on hope. Sometimes I research really decadent desserts or something special that couldn't possibly be a main meal. And I'll try to whip that together. Rosemary honey custard tart. Or something that has lemon zest decorated across the top. And I do this because it saved me before. I was losing a baby a long time ago. And I think something inside of me knew I was losing her. Her name was Riley. I like to bring that up anytime I can because she is still my daughter. And I cooked my way through that pain. I cooked my way through when I was losing her. I cooked my way through after the hospital. And the blood was still flowing. Because that's the best thing I could have done to honor her, was hope. I do other little silly things. And today's just a share day. I don't know what y'all do. I sure would love to hear it. Could y'all write in and tell me what you do when you need hope? Write me an email. Seba at southernfriedwitch.com. 
But I need to really drop up hope I'll do even sillier things. But don't we love silly? I'll go read Charlotte's Web again. Now I know, I know. Charlotte goes and dies at the end and breaks all of our hearts. I'm sure I'm not being a spoiler right now. But if that ending doesn't have something to do with hope, honey, I don't know what does. I'll also watch all kinds of things like the movie Brave or How to Train Your Dragon because those things are doing a really good job of asking children to hope. And there's one living inside of me. Of course, I also go talk to the trees. We have long conversations. I'm sure some of y'all think I'm half out of my mind talking to trees the way I do. But before you judge me, wonder if you've ever tried to do it before. Holding on to a tree, especially one that's not an evergreen. Holding on to that tree with your hand against that bark. And there's no leaves on it. And feeling all that hope. That tree's got this thing on lock, y'all. It was about a week ago, and just from the money troubles and watching things, y'all, Facebook can really pull a person down. It's just not good. And so I was super desperate, and we had a break in the weather. It um, It went from the 20s and 30s to one of those nights was somewhere around 50 degrees down here in Alabama. And we were sitting on the porch. Probably after one of those dinners with my sons I've loved so much. And I heard the tree frogs. They were all just a singing. It had rained and it had gotten warm. And everyone on the porch was saying, well, they've gone and gotten confused. And part of my soul said, no, 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 they're not confused. They're screaming out hope. They know it's almost over. They know if we can just hold on, it's all coming back. Now, it might come back a little fucked up. And we may have to fight even harder to get our world back into some kind of tune like it should be. But isn't that hope? Even trying. Doesn't that count? Oh, and I do things I'm sure that y'all don't do. I ended up with these chickens. And I've tried to think through my head, why in the hell did I not just throw out those eggs? When we came back from Tennessee and she'd been sitting on those three too long, she had hidden. Why didn't I throw them out? I ended up with 23 chicks, all different ages. If I had just thrown them out early, but you know, (laughs) I think the teacher side of me, my higher self, knew I was going to need hope. January has got to be the worst month for me absolutely just downtrodden through this thing. And I have little chickens I have to take care of. And it's a lot. They're in the house. They're in the bathroom because they're different ages and they need different temperatures. But I pick up that little one that everyone said had FTT, failure to thrive. And and yeah, it does. I mean, (laughs) that's obvious. It still looks like a little chick with full wing you know, like it was already a teenager just in its wings. The rest of it's just a fluff nugget. And little fellows that are a week old look the same as him. But I pick him up and I look in those eyes. And of course, I don't know if it's a girl or a boy yet. I'm way too young to tell. This thing is not an exact science, y'all. Don't listen to any of that stuff out there that'll tell you. 
You can get some ideas on if it's a girl or a boy, but I've been surprised before. So I held this little shit and go in my hand and looked at it fighting. Just still, two weeks later, not giving up. And those wings just a-growing, shit, they're about three times the size of this thing. And I wondered, because I don't know yet, and maybe that's best for me right here at Embolk. It's just a seedling, really. I wondered, are you going to make it? And if you did, all that hope, how long could you live? Hell, I've had a chicken live 10 years before. How many eggs will you lay? Or if you're a boy, will you take care of your girls? Will you end up being a pet? These chicks are going to fuss in the background. I can't stop them very well. And my friend that had helped me with this, with this hatch, she's a Christian. She's a devout and fundamentalist Christian. And I know y'all are probably shocked right now. But hell, I don't hold that against her. She doesn't hold anything against me for what I believe. We're able to meet in the middle. But her middle name is Hope. And she had said, name that one Hope. And I said, and I made a mistake. I was wrong, y'all. I said, no, I can't do that. What if I name it after you and it doesn't make it? And she said, well, it's not going to make it unless you believe. You see how we're kind of the same, y'all? So I haven't told her yet. We're going to talk in the morning. She's still going through her own hatches and her own things. But I'm going to tell her that I've named it Hope. Y'all, let me tell you a story. If I've told it before on this podcast, I want you to forgive me. And please don't write in and say mean things. I'm getting a little forgetful the older I get. But I'd like to tell you the story of my baby. Now, we already know I'm a serial monogamist, and I just ran through weddings and right there after a baby and then another wedding and another baby, and there are good reasons for all that, but screw it, y'all. I'm not perfect, and those were my 20s and 30s. What are we going to do? But this last baby, the daddy left me when I was about seven months pregnant on a mountain, and I know I've said that before. And everything that could go wrong went wrong. We had owned a house, and the husband at that time had put out a mortgage on it behind my back. We had money in the bank that I'd saved from a little business I'd started, and he'd gone and taken all that out. And we didn't have any food, and we didn't have any water. And we didn't have any hope, y'all. I had two other kids, one around nine years old, about to be 10, and one around three, about to be four. And I got so depressed and so lonesome and so just down, down to the bottom, y'all. I looked at the abyss too long, and I almost did something about that abyss. I almost jumped right in it. And I mean really jump right in it. And what stopped me was this baby kicking in my belly. Y'all feeling the idea of hope yet? Well, I didn't have any. He did. So we ended up in the projects and we ended up on food stamps. Been a long, long time ago. 24 years this March, actually. And I didn't have any help from my family. And I didn't have any help from that 
well, let's call it what it is, asshole that walked out on us for an 18-year-old blonde secretary named Beverly. I'm going to say a real name on this podcast. How about that? And then the pregnancy started to go awry. I was on Medicaid and the doctor there up in Jackson County, Alabama, one of the most racist, downtrodden, haunted places I've ever lived. But oh my God, y'all, that place is nothing but beauty. Gorgeous. The way it goes, right? The devil is going to be pretty. And my doctor didn't want to come out of his Easter weekend when I went into labor. So he promptly stopped my labor with a shot. I don't know what that was. Don't feel like researching for this podcast. And sent me on back home. When my water finally did break weeks later, that baby was born in his omicronium. He was a 10-month baby. But at least the doctor didn't have too much golf that weekend. And he almost died. His birth was horrifying. They pulled my bladder out with him. I couldn't walk well for three weeks after. But the moment he was born, the pain was so unbelievable. I didn't mean to have a natural birth. So y'all go ahead and judge me. It was a long time ago, 1996. I didn't mean to have a natural birth. But the epidural line kinked and nothing got through. So I did. I had a natural birth with a 10-pound baby and I weighed, when I went into that pregnancy, 98 pounds. Tiny little old woman. And I lost a lot of blood. They called the sperm donor, as I like to call him, and they asked him, could he please come give some blood? Because it turned out he was my blood type. And he said, no, let her die. I don't want anything else to do with her. I've moved on with my life. So right there in that moment, as this baby was pulling out my innards, and I didn't have any family to speak of standing beside me, and my husband had run off, and we were poverty-stricken as hell, there was something inside of me that had lost all hope. At first, I didn't even want to hold him. I was so racked with pain, and I was racked with guilt. And there was this kind nurse there who fought me on this and kept shoving my baby at me. Now, I'd breastfed the other two, and I was ready to go, full of milk ready, and uh, I finally caved in just to get her to shut the fuck up. And as he started suckling and he latched right away, all the pain and all the tears and all the brokenness inside of me just flew out, just gushed out with the milk. I remember having this one moment of absolute terror that I was going to kill him with all that pain coming out in that milk. Looking down into his beautiful blue eyes, I remember thinking they're going to flood with red. I'm killing him. That's not what happened. That is not what happened at all. Instead, he just pulled it all out of me, looked up at me with those big old damn eyes. Gosh, he's a pretty boy. And they stood over me and they said, what's his name for the birth certificate? And which or not, I knew exactly what his name had to be. And so I told him, and it was a character in the Bible, the only one who'd ever wrestled with God. 
and I will give it to him. That boy does have a ladder to heaven. Now, it took a long time for him to finish pulling all that pain out of me. It took a long time for me to understand that that kind of hope put back into my life was a responsibility. Because of what he went through, because he was born in his own, well, shit, he had to fight harder than any other baby. He was an Easter baby, but he was jaundiced. And he had a couple of delays. They were all developmental, not intellectual. And I didn't have any support. I had to go right to work three weeks later on crutches. We did discuss he pulled my bladder out, right? And one night, I was so beaten and just, there's a thing that can happen to a woman. A thing where she feels almost like a victim of her own body. And that there's no way out. And the love that she has for her children, that can feel like lashes. And that's where I was. Not a good place. And that night, it got really cold. This was, I think he was about six months old. And I was just treading water. And somehow, he had made it to the bottom of the bed under heavy quilts. I was co-sleeping with him because I was also working and just exhausted with the two other kids, and it was easier to, well, plop a titty out and let him go all night. When one deflated, flip him over, and somehow he had gotten his way, wormed his way down to the bottom, and was underneath so many quilts and so many blankets, because we couldn't afford extra heat, and something shook me. I was in a deep dream, and something shook me and said, the baby's in trouble. And I woke straight up, and I went, whew, you know, I thought it was a dream. And then I couldn't find the baby. And I looked at the end of the bed, and there was this lump down there. And when I found him, his lips were blue. And I did that thing that you're not supposed to ever do, and y'all better not. But I shook him. I just wanted to see him breathe. And when he did, he screamed. And I remember saying in that moment as I was shaking him just before he took in air that I would have hope again. If he would just live, I would have hope and I would believe that life can change. And then he did. And then he changed my life. Because of him, I went on and I got a bachelor's and a master's and a doctoral degree. Honestly, because I couldn't stop once I started. And I don't reckon that child just wrestled with God that night. God, goddess. That child wrestled with its mama, bringing her back to life too. In the moment that he screamed, I screamed. And it was like, it was like being reborn. Now today, y'all excuse the emotion. Um, He's about to be 24 years old and he's getting married. Jal just keeps on bringing me this kind of belief in tomorrow. I used to call my children my insurance plans. Because in a lot of ways, this world is just too painful, exquisitely painful sometimes for me to stay. But I can't hurt them. They're my hope. Now let's be really clear. I love them all. It's just the nature of his birth changed everything for me. It was one of the worst times in my life. 
And it had to be, because, as we all know, everything coming back to life hurts. Thanks, Tony Morrison, for making sure we knew that one. I had a friend recently tell me you're just way too much like the wheel. You just are on it so deep and so hard, you basically go to death every winter and come back to life every spring. And I wouldn't say that she's wrong on that one. But I would say that there was a little boy born in the spring one time who taught me that things can come back. Now, I know y'all have noticed that my podcasts are getting short, and that's because I'm doing the best I can right now. I've got a job I'm trying to hold down real well. The thing is, this is what I can give you right now, and I almost guarantee it's going to get long again. You just have to believe me. It's what's going to happen. I'm one hell of an organic witch. But if you're losing hope and you can hear the sound of my voice, please go find it. Sometimes it doesn't show up, baby. You've got to go look. And that's your part of it. It could be the birds singing. It could be those tree frogs. Oh, I tell you what it really could be. If you're from Alabama, it's that first cicada. But you can find it. Paint your toenails. Go make something extraordinarily decadent. And hug a tree. It's not over yet. In fact, it's just beginning. Here we go again. Welcome back to spring. She's right on her way. And if you're like me and the world seems like a cesspool these days, especially politically, well, and environmentally as well, please remember one thing. Before you throw the baby out with the bathwater, it's not the tree's fault. It's not the animal's fault. It's not the butterfly's fault. Now we have got to keep our ass together here. Reach down deep pull ourselves up our bootstraps and say we're going to keep fighting, especially if you're a witch. Witches affect change. We got to stick together, bad children. You feel me? Well, I guess that's it. I need to go. Reckon it's about that time to put my makeup on and do the one thing that cheers me up the most around this time of year. Go look at seed catalogs. Y'all don't forget to write to me and tell me what brings you hope at this time of year. Because if there's one thing on this planet that's magic, then it's hope. Love y'all. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.